Hi, I'm your host, Lillian Yang. And I'm your host, Fakri Shafai, and you are listening to Food Nonfiction. Halloween is a day of exceptions. You eat the chocolate bars that you don't eat the rest of the year because of all the calories. You either stay out late or you're letting your kids stay out late. And the weirdest exception of all is that you spend 364 days of the year telling kids not to take candy from strangers. And then on Halloween, you let them take candy from strangers. Is that safe? In the late 1960s, Joel was a student in graduate school. I was thinking that I was going to study deviant behavior. At school, he read autobiographies on drug addicts and criminals. And in doing so, he came to a realization. One of the things that I came to realize was that all of those people uh, had reasons for what they did. You know, you and I might not think they were good reasons, but they could explain to you why they did it. At this time, there was a story going around that people were poisoning Halloween treats and then giving them to trick-or-treaters. I couldn't figure out for the life of me why anybody would do this. I couldn't imagine what the reasons would be. And I started saying to uh, my friends at graduate school, I don't think this is real. I don't think this is happening. And they said to me, of course it's real. Everybody knows it's happening. Of course it's real. Yeah, Joe, everyone knows it's happening. It's terrible, isn't it? Sounds like a familiar story, doesn't it? Every year we hear stories about poisoned Halloween candy. And every year everyone assumes the stories are true. In 1970, newspapers ran the story of five-year-old Kevin Tostin, who had died of a heroin overdose. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration analyzed his Halloween candy and found a sprinkling of heroin on the candy. My friends were all over me about this. They were saying, see, 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 this really happens. But Joel wasn't convinced. And a couple days later, the newspaper updated the story. Turns out, the Halloween candy wasn't sprinkled with heroin when little Kevin had eaten it. Rather, the child had found his uncle's heroin stash and overdosed from eating that. In order to protect the uncle, the family had sprinkled heroin on the Halloween candy to make it seem like the heroin had come from elsewhere. It was interesting to me that when they fought he'd been murdered, it was a big news story, and uh, when it turned out that uh, he hadn't been murdered, uh, that it was just an accidental death, uh, you know, it didn't get much news coverage. The updated story was tucked away in a tiny article. So I, I started uh, doing a, a study of newspaper coverage, and I looked at four papers. I looked at the uh, New York Times and the Chicago Tribune and the Los Angeles Times, which you know, were the major papers in those days in the three biggest metropolitan areas in the country. And uh, I also did, I was working in Fresno, California, and I did the Fresno Bee because I was, you know, I, I could send a student down to go through their morgue and look at all their clippings. This is how Joel, now Dr. Joel Best, became the world's leading expert on poisoned Halloween candy. Dr. Best looked at every case of reported Halloween candy poisoning dating back to 1958. And it turned out that I could not find a single case of a child who'd been killed or seriously injured by a contaminated treat picked up in the course of trick-or-treating. When he followed up on each of the news stories about Halloween candy poisoning, 
he found that none of them actually involved Halloween sadism. There were plenty of stories that would come out following Halloween, but further investigation always showed that it was never strangers doing the poisoning, and there was always a motive. For example, in 1974, there was a story in Greater Houston that a child had died of poison after eating Halloween candy. This was a big news story. It was covered in the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune and the uh, Los Angeles Times that a, a child had died of poisoning. In the end, police figured out that it was the child's own father who had killed him, Ronald Clark O'Brien, now known as the man who killed Halloween. His motive for murder was money. His father had taken a life insurance policy on him and then fed him a, a pixie stick, which had cyanide, or some sort of poison, I think, cyanide in it. And the dad was arrested and tried and convicted. And since this was Texas, he was also executed. Dr. Joel Best continues to check the news every year, right after Halloween, looking for cases of Halloween sadism. He has over 50 years of data now. Zero cases of strangers poisoning Halloween candy. Of course, now I not only check the newspapers, but I also look on the web. Most reports of poisoned Halloween candy actually come straight from kids. Uh, if you think about it, what we do is we spend a lot of time, uh, you know, elementary school teachers uh, spend time warning their children to inspect their treats. And, you know, it's very, very easy to contaminate your, your candy. You can, uh, you know, just stick a, a pin in your candy bar and then run in and say to your parents, look, look what I found, there's a pin in my candy bar. And you get the, you are rewarded with the concerned attention of adults. My, my favorite report was a little boy who came into his parents and said, I think there's ant poison on this candy bar. And he had a candy bar and he had bitten the corner off. And there was indeed ant poison that had been sprayed on the other end of the candy bar. <laughs> so he, he had presumably set this up so that you know, he would, he would um, not actually be in danger, but he could produce a genuinely contaminated treat. Dr. Joel Best has been giving interviews on Halloween candy poisonings since 1985. For 30 years, he's been telling reporters that Halloween candy poisoning has never been a problem. And yet, every year, reporters like us Call him up for the scary scoop. This is research that has been reported in, you know, like lots of, of visible places. I think I was in Ladies Home Journal, Good Housekeeping. I was in Reader's Digest. I was on the Today Show. I've been on Bill O'Reilly and, and so on and so forth. And none of that exposure seems to make much <laughs> difference. You know, what I've learned from this is that an urban legend is really harder to kill than a werewolf. We also let him know that he's cited on Wikipedia. You're actually cited on Wikipedia as the leading expert as well, which is very cool. <laughs> Did you know that? I, no, I had no idea. <laughs> the point is, he's told a lot of people on a lot of big shows for a lot of years that Halloween candy poisonings are a myth. But people continue to think poisonings happen. After so many years of trying to kill this myth, Dr. Joel Best is starting to understand why it just won't die. The way to think about this is this is a contemporary legend. Contemporary legend, or sometimes they're called urban legends, are stories that speak to anxieties that we have. If you think about, like, the Grimm Brothers fairy tales, a lot of the fairy tales involve 
children going into the woods. Goldilocks goes into the woods. Hansel and Gretel go into the woods. Little Red Riding Hood goes into the woods. And they meet magical bears or uh, witches or talking wolves or whatever. Those are stories from the late 18th and early 19th century. That's when they were collected. This was a time when going into the woods was actually kind of scary. We're not so much uh, scared of the woods anymore. What, what we worry about is we worry about criminals. We don't believe in ghosts. We, we believe in criminals. If you think about earlier versions of this story, I know people that are older than I am who can remember uh, warnings about people heating pennies on skillets and then dropping the red-hot pennies into the outstretched hands of trick-or-treaters. You know, that seems to have been the earlier version of this. The razor blade came along sometime, I think, in the 1960s. The maniac with the sharp object is a, um, uh, is a motif in uh, contemporary legends. So what would you tell parents today about Halloween candy? I would tell them not to worry about it. Because there's just no motive for random people to be poisoning random children? Uh, why would they do that? Halloween is, is actually very dangerous. When you read dozens of years of news reports, one of the things you discover is that there are a lot of kids who get killed on Halloween, and they get hit by cars. This is a night when you send uh, tens of millions of children out into the dark. They get hit by cars, they get tangled up in costumes and fall down and injure themselves, you know, that kind of thing. It's good to take precautions on Halloween. You know, you want to be sure that your child is, is uh, able to see out of the costume, is not going to uh, get tangled up and trip over the costume. You know, the costume's not flammable, the child's not carrying an open flame. I mean, you know, there, there are lots of good safety tips for Halloween. I don't happen to think that checking all the trees is... <laughs> you know, a particularly high priority. I would worry about uh, making sure that they're, they're going to know how to cross the street. So, Fakery, tell us about when you first heard about Halloween candy poisonings. I remember being, I was in elementary school, I assume. Uh, oh, it was the year that I went as uh, the Bride of Frankenstein. So my mom put, like, egg in my hair and it was standing straight up. Egg? Yeah, you put egg in the hair to make it stand straight up. Really? Yeah. And then um, I already had the gray streak on one side, so she only had to add a gray streak on the other side with spray paint. But I remember walking around, and that was the first year that my parents said we had to show them our candy before we could eat any because they just needed to make sure it was all safe. So they were just unwrapping candies or... Like, did they just give a glance? I, I think it was more of a glance. And personally, I think it was really so my mom could get first dibs on anything she wanted. I see. So she's pocketing all the coffee crisps, I'm guessing? Cause we don't have coffee crisps in the U.S. What? Nope. I didn't even know what that was till I moved here. I don't understand why you guys don't have Butterfingers. That blows my mind. So You know, I always thought Butterfingers was just something that existed in The Simpsons. Yeah, no. <laughs> they're they're for realsies. One thing that always jumps to mind when any of these urban legends talk about oh people are lacing these things with drugs and like trying to give them to kids or whatever. It's like you've obviously ne never met a drug user. They're not going to waste their drugs on giving them to <laughs> anybody. I, know, I thought that too. I was like, why would you like it, it's expensive, right? Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed our Halloween episode, friends and food buffs, and we hope you all have a very safe and hopefully filled with lots of chocolate and other forms of sugar, Halloween. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.